This is the Creasecast. Welcome, folks, to episode 121 of the Creasecast. Thankfully for you guys, thankfully for us, there's practically nothing Canucks related. Um, I wanted to start the recording off with a little story because just to peel back the onion a bit, uh, show how the sausage was made to uh, keep it in food terms, um, proverbially. Um, I am always the latest person to the recording. Uh, Lachlan sends me the link and usually he, you know, I am caught up with work or I'm late or whatever. And I always feel really bad. And then we, you know, we shoot the shit like for like, you know, a good 20 minutes or half an hour before we start recording, we kind of figure out what we're going to do. The last uh, few times that we've recorded, I've immediately jumped us into recording because I think Lachlan thinks on the fly when he doesn't know what the hell we're going to talk about. And it's just going to be kind of like off the cuff. And he's really (laughs) good at being off the fly. And he's very talented of working off of my ADHD brain. And I think he's at his best when he doesn't prepare. So my ADHD brain is the same way. We're the same. You and I are the same on that regard. (laughs) So, so today I got home from work. I was anticipating uh, my building was supposed to be doing fire alarm inspections. Didn't happen. So I rushed home for no reason. And so I messaged Locke. I'm like, all right, let's get recording. And um, so I, he's like, yeah, I'll be there in a couple minutes. So I decide, okay, I'm going to go get something to eat. And so I walk over to my fridge. And as I go to refill my water, I somehow, I don't know how this is possible, but I knocked over an entire tray of watermelon slices all over the floor and you think oh that's just watermelon slices how bad could it be but these were really old watermelon slices so they were all moldy and disgusting and sticky and i don't know why it was in our fridge but it was so here i am trying to be very efficient and get recording early, you know, start the weekend off right with some, you know, talking about some crazy shit. And I'm going to be the one who's efficient and on time. And I end up running late because I dropped a fucking five pound thing of water of expired moldy watermelon all over my feet and my floor. So <laughs> oh, I'm now oh, running no. really hot. My feet stink. And I just oh. want to talk about the coaches the Canucks hired and then talk about the playoffs and all the NHL awards. So thank you for oh. bearing with us today. And thank you for bearing with me, Lachlan. As, um, <laughs> I'm sure you were like, okay, he's ready to go. And now he's taking a little while. What the hell's going on I, here? Honestly, Is he fooling me? Honestly, I'm, I, I, I will say, like, it doesn't – I never bother – for the record, it doesn't bother me ever that you're, like – I don't ever think of you as, like, being, like, late. I'm ever – I'm never – I'm never I, – I just want to make it clear for everybody else that I'm not, like, ugh, this guy over here. He's just never on time. I'm going to have to dock his pay again. Like, no. So we're, so we're clear to the audience. Just I so am, we're clear. I am mostly I, late every day for work. I, so I mean, this is and, why I, I take I, it very I, seriously. And I assume you're, you're, you know, and I just assume that like, you know, I'm going to, that you're going to be like a couple minutes uh, behind just because you're, you know, you have a, you have a much more that you have a much busier, much uh, more, much uh, busier life than I do. Just uh, in general, (laughs) you have your life together. I have, this is all I got. So if this, yeah. so I, 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 I understand that you're probably going to be running late because you probably have that way more important things to do. Than- you know, so, you know, like 
my wife and I always send us uh, send each other like those memes where it's like um, my parents at thirty, and it's like we're going to buy a house for our four children, and it's like oh, me yeah. at thirty, and it's like hmm, what should I'll... we what should we order from Skip the Dishes tonight for the eighteenth night in a row? I will and never recover from this purchase. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. DoorDash or something. It's yeah, all just like like those beeps back and forth. So to hear you say, I have my life together, that means a lot because some <laughs> days I look in the mirror and I'm just like, you're 30, dude. 31 almost. Okay, I'm 31 in 11 days. Holy That's shit. Wait, wow, up. our birthdays are really close. Holy shit. Because my birthday is the 17th. Oh, June babies. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Are, are, out, we, are we different horoscopes? Oh yeah, I think so. Because yeah. I think twenty first is the cutoff or something. Yeah, you're literally just the. I'm like just on the cusp of Cancer and uh, Gemini. Gemini. I say. Yeah, because yeah. I am a Gemini. So yeah, not that I actually care about astrology yeah. all if that I believe much. in that. We'll leave that no. to the Too that. Hot for Hockey podcast. They got this whole <laughs> yes. scope thing. They got that market cornered. We don't. Yes. We don't know anything about it. I just know mine is a crab. I and the number Elias, 69 which rules so I, I believe Elias Pettersson is a is a is an Aries I think that's uh I, I feel like I learned that from Puck Bunnies at <laughs> sure. some point uh I believe that's that's a that's a fact I learned okay. uh but yeah that's uh that's so funny that our that's uh, that's funny that our birthdays are that close and that you think of and that you think of yourself as like constantly being late for the show well uh, I'm like late to most things in my life and I really like so like the wifey her family is notoriously late for everything. Like mm. you gotta, you gotta plan like an hour ahead. Like where you'd be like, "Hey, come you to have... our lunch at noon," but it's actually happening at one p.m. That's what you right. tell everyone else. And then somehow they always figure that out and end up at two anyway. And then showing up at two yeah, anyway. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, mm. so timeliness, punctuality is a big issue for me. And so I hate to think that I'm wasting anyone's time, especially someone like you who puts in a shit ton of editing work into our little show that recently cracked 100 listens on, uh, on one a solo episode I did. So yeah, thank you to all listeners for actually you know sharing and all that stuff. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, we're not but, some, we're not a huge podcast yet. Like we're working, no. we do episodes all the time, and we 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 very much try our best to like you know present ourselves as a bigger show than we are because yeah. you know it's about sometimes it's about you know dressing for the job you want not the job you have kind of thing what's so that, yeah what's that really thing what's that thing in dating where it's like you're peacocking or whatever oh you know yeah about? where you a like you bit, put yeah. on airs like you're a lot like a bigger deal than yeah. you really are i recently <laughs> like came, i recently came into some money which can just mean that you won 10 bucks on like a yeah, yeah. or something yeah, yeah like that's I, I found a loony on like yeah. the floor the other <laughs> yeah. that was really exciting. <laughs> exactly yeah speaking of loonies actually i always have i don't know if you do like because you're obviously like an american expat and whatever but i always have dreams that I find like piles of loonies, like just in the streets. And it's always really exciting. That sounds great. And then that I wake like up and I'm like, oh, I didn't just find $36 in loonies. That sucks. That sounds, that's like, that's a Scott Pilgrim cutscene. I'm pretty sure. Like that's a, that's in yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I can't say I have those often, but that might just be because like every job I've had has been like direct in the last like so many years has been like direct deposit. So I have not carried a lot. Of, yeah, I yeah. just haven't carried cash much in my, in the last like so many years from honestly, like no, it's like, been a while. The, the only cash I think I've gotten in the last fuck like 10 years or something is probably like when my work is like, Oh, uh, here's like 
the quarterly bonus or something and it's in cash or or like i don't know like someone just gives you 20 bucks because they owe you 20 bucks but like otherwise you don't need to carry cash anymore no, everything's, everything is, everything's like iPhone pay or Apple pay or whatever. Yeah. That's and like especially it. since COVID now, even less, even yeah. less so like, uh, yeah, it's, it's 100% just like everything is tap, is tap, tap or like chip or something yeah. like that. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible the way that technology has come. And now you have like Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the sharks are getting into cryptocurrency. We don't have time to talk about that, but I believe they announced. We should the, I think quickly they touch on that yeah. because, yeah, I heard about this too, where they're like, um, "You can buy season tickets with um, with crypto. Like Bitcoin and crypto." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Crypto is the most like volatile currency, where like you could like say you've mined or acquired like a single Bitcoin, and that's worth like a like a season ticket run or whatever. Like I don't know what the value is, but like mm-hmm. one Bitcoin's worth like you know sixteen grand or twenty grand or whatever." Right. But what happens if you buy season tickets with one Bitcoin and then it completely like appreciates further and suddenly instead of spending 20 grand on your season tickets, you you spent like kind, 85. In a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. In like a roundabout way you technically spent. Yeah, that's kind of the – that is kind of the problem is – Like well, who would do that? Like it's, it's so risky. It's, it's, it is, it's super risky. Uh, it's also just like kind of like, well, I mean, I guess for on one hand, like technically, I mean, regular currency fluctuates all the time. It just like, you know, you, if you think about it that way, like, yeah, maybe in potentially say the amount of money you're spending in us dollars on shark season tickets is suddenly a lot worth a lot more in euros than it was before, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have that money. Like, so I, I don't know. That's kind of the. I do, I do agree with you though. That's like kind of a it, because I think the way I always look at it, and uh, on the very few times I think about in my life, I think about cryptocurrency. Yeah, uh, is that Bitcoin is a lot more like a stock than a currency, really? Like, yeah, you're not exactly buying it for like, oh, I'm gonna go buy a burger from McDonald's with my point zero 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 one of a Bitcoin. Unless right. like, you're crazy or something. It's om- it's more like almost paying for season tickets in like Apple share in like your shares of Apple or something. Yeah, like, like that's hey, that's more what it seems like to me. Which again, is not necessarily a good call. Which would be a bad call. You know? Yeah, because you'd be like, oh, hey, hey uh, who's the uh, Sharks owner again? Hasso Platner. Hasso Platner, whatever. yeah, owner yeah. SAP. And I can't believe things. I remember that off the top of my head. But Hasso Platner, you're like name that NHL owner. Can we do? Can we the get only one? All the yeah. only one. But imagine being like, hey, Hasso, here's one Bitcoin for the upper bowl for a season. And he's like, oh, thank you. And then like a week later, he's made like (laughs) $150,000. <laughs> on your your season ticket purchase they're like, like paying all the coaches and stuff and like suddenly <laughs> yeah. like they found this new way to like circumvent the cap by giving yeah. like players bitcoin like they're like like hey evander kane here's a bitcoin don't yeah. gamble it and you might actually come out of this okay Ooh, <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i don't know i don't know well we shall we shall see how that goes i don't know it uh, i don't know enough about it to yeah we don't know enough about, about that but we do know enough about our first actual topic of the day which is the Canucks actually announced some news about their coaching staff for the first, you know, time in a long time. There was actually like real news and decision making being done since uh, Jim Benning uh, announced the signing of Travis Green. Uh, yeah. So they announced quite a few changes. I, I was actually laughing pretty hard at the graphics that they posted on Instagram because it was like you swipe left. It was like 
like in the top left corner, it was like hired, extended, extended, hired. And I was fully expecting them to be like fired. And it was a picture of Newell Brown because they oh. had one for every coach. So yeah. I was like, this is this is building up to something here. But for those that don't know, uh, the Canucks, uh, they extended Newell, ba- or Newell, Noel, Bomb, Nolan Baumgartner. Third time, third try. Wow. Um, uh, Ian Clark, and then they hired uh, Cleveland. Uh, not Cleveland. Oh my God, my brain's yeah. turned. Bit of a tough turn- start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm on AHL brain apparently. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, former assistant coach John Tortorella, Tortorella's assistant Brad Shaw is moving over to like an associate coach position. Yep. And as well as uh, David Gustafson, I think his name was? Or Gustafson? Uh, D- uh, Kyle Gustafson. Kyle Gustafson. Is an assistant slash special assignment coach uh, yes. for the Canucks it's very well. interesting. Ties Jason- to Portland Winterhawks in Travis Green's old days, which I thought was just surprising because Kyle Gustafson looked very, very young. So I was like, mm-hmm. when they were in Portland, which was almost eight years ago now maybe even early like later than that like that's a long, uh, yeah. long time ago he would have been like 17 years old like he <laughs> looks really young maybe he's not and he just looks great for his age but like he, he looks really young so i was like oh that's cool like this was this is like a lot of progressive and proactive moves made by uh, an organization that isn't known for making those kinds of moves and given everything that was speculated about like how ian clark uh, it was the type that he would walk if he didn't have an internal deadline met. This was a big win for them to get Ian Clark back on a five-year deal. It was a big win to promote him to like the head of their goaltending department. So kind of taking uh, lessons from what the league is kind of like the direction the league is going in with developing goaltending departments, like f- our, our homeboys, the Florida Panthers, they started that, uh, two seasons ago now with uh, Luongo running the ship with a cavalcade of different goaltending coaches, like all working together. Yeah. Um, but on top of, uh, of the go- the goalie or the coaches uh, being uh, extended and re-signed and added to the uh, group, they were all given the opportunity to do interviews with Sportsnet 650 over the past week. And, it was so enlightening listening to Bradshaw and Travis Green and Ian Clark all do these wonderful in-depth interviews with the 650 guys and basically just laying out their philosophies and what they hope and expect from their players. Which it was you like talk about finally. Yeah, exactly. Like it's I mean the 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 Travis Green Jim Benning press conference was very kind of like it was supposed to be inspiring confidence, but just the answers that were given by Jim were just kind of like, Ugh, it's going to be more of the same. You're going to see him do a bunch of crazy shit in the off season. There's going to be no direction. It's just like, let's just try to get back to the playoffs. Who cares about winning a cup? It's just about getting there. No confidence, inspiration whatsoever. And then you listen to Brad Shaw speak about like the importance of a penalty kill and what he needs from players on a penalty kill. And he goes on for seven minutes about what you need to do down to stick lifts and shit. Mm-hmm. I, like I'm ready to run through a brick wall for Brad Shaw. And I don't even know what he looks like. Like, yeah, that was those three interviews back to back to back. Cause it was each day was a different guy was like confidence restoring type shit that the organization itself needed. Yes. 
I mean, yeah, the, one of the biggest things the Canucks got dinged for all through this last season by us, by other people, by everybody, really, is that the is the lack of transparency and the, you know, there were just the lack of communication between the team, not just with what was going on behind the scenes, but what was going on, you know, out, like just uh, on the ice and off of it would everything would happen. Yeah. Um, and... And the fact that they sent out, that they had these coaches, granted, I imagine this is part of, you know, a bit of a, this is a media push. That's obviously, you know, part, yeah, for of, sure. it, part of it to try and restore some Canucks image. They did a great job of doing that. Like, that's yeah. exactly what they needed. Um, and it's kind of nuts because of the fact that I don't remember the last time we heard from not just, you know, not just any of these coaches in particular, but any Canucks coach that wasn't Travis Green. Like, can, do you yeah. remember Manny Malhotra ever doing an interview while he was here? Do you remember, you know, do you remember uh, Dan Cluche doing a lot of interviews when he was running the goal, the, co- the goaltending uh, department? Uh, no. What have you? Like, like, you know, not a lot of people outside of, say, uh, in the last, in the, under the Jim, in the Jim Benning era, outside of the head coaches, I don't think I've heard much from anyone besides, um, like, Benning, Wise broad, and that's kind of it. Like, and Linden when he was here, that was pretty much it. You didn't really get a lot of other assistant coaches, save for maybe like the rare uh, discussion with like Doug Lidster when he was I th- here. Yeah, I think you got, um, you'd occasionally get like the one off pieces. Like, I th- I'm pretty sure Daniel Wagner had like one on one interviews with like Manny Malholtra, if I'm remembering correctly. And yeah, like they'd in, have to but, seek like, them out. Like, they, yeah, yeah. It, so, like, it wasn't like this where it was like. No. The organization was like, "Okay, Bradshaw, you're we're gonna, gonna put you 650, on a, and you're on gonna advertise yourself. And go for it, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna publicize that you're go well, like the we're gonna put you on a platform that will publicize the fact that you're gonna be on doing a radio hit, and that's yeah, which goes a long way. Um, like Ian Clark is a guy who personally I've not actually I could like I love his work. I'm a, mm. I'm a big fan of his work." But I couldn't pick out his voice. Like, I would not be able to tell you what, no, it, what he either. sounded like up until it was he weird. did these interviews. Um, and it was great to hear from him. He did an incredible job, man, just talking to hearing him talk about, you know, uh, Mikey DiPietro and how he feels that he is uh, absolutely yeah. an NHL, going to be an NHL-capable goalie down the line. Th- yeah, wasn't his words exactly, and Mikey, Mikey DiPietro will be an NHL goalie. I guarantee basically, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Basically, that and he wouldn't bet against Mike Mikey DiPietro, and that's great. And that's great. That's great confidence to hear. Um, uh, Demko, obviously talking about Demko and Holtby. It's great to hear him getting out there and basically giving the philosophy and talking about his philosophy that goes into goalie coaching. Yeah. Uh, and the system that he put together. Um, the fact that okay. Um, I said I said at one point during the during the last few months, you know, that in in almost in ways that signing Ian Clark and I guess we'll just start getting into some of like the minutia parts of this mm-hmm. is that signing Ian Clark might have been more important than extent than signing Travis Green, just in the sense of there are a lot more quality head coaches out in the NHL world than there are uh quality nhl goalie coaches it is a lot harder to find like i mean think about it like even if you're a diehard uh hockey fan and you know the ins and outs of the nhl it's pretty hard for a lot of people to name goalies to name a goalie coach outside of say like ian clark and maybe mitch corn that's pretty much it like 
there is, there's not a lot out, and even then, that's a bit of a hard sell, I think, for some people who aren't just goalie people. Um, it's, um, so the fact that they were able to get Ian Clark, not only that they were able to extend him, but that he his contract is matching Thatcher Demko's contract, five years, uh, I believe, I believe, uh, our friend of the show, David Quadrelli, was the one who broke that part of the, mm-hmm. of the contract, um, is huge. Like, that's a major, that's a major hurdle cleared. That's, um, that very much solidifies, uh, your coaching standard, your coaching standard and the quality of goalie coaching you're going to get for the next half decade, which is incredible. Yeah. And the fact that his, uh, systems are going to trickle down not only through to, like, Mike DiPietro and Braden Holpe, you know, potential backups, but also to the AHL team, to the new team in yes. Abbotsford. He's going to be able to, whether or not he might be able to, say, get on the ice with that group all the time, he's going to he is going to be able to have more communication with, say, Curtis Sanford, who's going to be, uh, who's probably going to still be the goalie. I, I imagine is going to be the goalie coach for that Abbotsford team still. Uh, maybe he's, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that, I think that coaching staff, Trent Cull included, is coming with them to... Yeah, uh, Chris Faber had a, a tweet where he was like, uh, I can't confirm anything just yet, but my very close sources are confirming that Trent Cull, along with Gary Agnew and the other assistant coaches are coming to Abbotsford to coach the team. Yeah, because I can't confirm yeah. it. So. Right. I, and I would imagine that, ma- that makes sense because I imagine, you know, the coaching staff, like the hockey ops things were Canucks hires rather than, say, like Robert Esch hires. Sure. Um, I, I, at least that's my, that's my, uh, understanding of how, uh, that, that, that relationship worked, mm-hmm. but yeah, Ian Clark, uh, means a lot to this franchise and the way that their goalie co- their goalies have developed over the last years. Like if there's one thing the Canucks haven't had to worry about once really in the last, in most of the Jim Benning era, it's the goalies. entirety of it, really. Yeah, really. I, I've yeah. often said the one thing that Jim Benning is weirdly batting relatively close to a thousand on is yeah. is the goaltending. Like there yeah. is is like I can't remember the last time I saw him make a goalie choice, like a goalie decision, and been like, "Well, that really backfired." It doesn't happen with him on that front a lot. He's surprisingly good at making at decision making when it comes to the goalie coach to goalies and their coaching and everything else um it's it's it, it means a lot i'm thrilled that he's coming i'm thrilled that he's coming back i'm thrilled for thatcher demko who clearly made a very public plea to bring him back <laughs> yeah uh i'm thrilled for mike dipietro who also made a very public plea to bring him back uh we haven't heard much from brain holtby but i imagine you know similar yeah. lines for him he doesn't um, care. He's in the final year of his deal. He's like, whatever. He, I, he cares. He definitely cares. And yeah, this is huge. This is huge from all from all sides. This is a slant. Ian Clark. I don't know as much about the other coaches uh, as I do with uh, with Clarky, but yeah, slam dunk for the Canucks on that front. Yeah. You know what's funny is like the whole like Benning is really good at identifying goalies thing is that he used to be an NHL defender and. You look at the track record of like his organization and his regime specifically in their ability to identify like free agent defensemen and defensemen in the draft, and it's mm-hmm. just like the worst thing imaginable. Like mm-hmm. the best defenseman they picked up is like Troy Stetcher, and then they walked away from him and then basically criticized that he wasn't playing like big enough for them. <laughs> like yeah. th- their inability to draft or like to find 
incredible defensemen that don't fall in their lap because a you cannot say like Quinn Hughes was like some super scouted pick like he fell in their laps it was a layup you, you would have had to go on your the, way to this is the up. obvious best play, player available yeah like there's there's the you know, i'm using air quotes here for those that don't follow our youtube channel but i'm using air quotes to describe the hughes family as family friends of john Wisebrod. so like that one was a huge layup so outside of quinn hughes and troy stetcher like what are we talking about we're talking about eric goodbranson matt bartkowski michael delzato yeah. uh like just a laundry list of bad, bad defensemen. Derek Pouliot, like guys that they traded a lot to acquire or guys that they spent a lot to acquire in free agency. And you're like, you used to do the job. You yeah. used to be an NHL defenseman. How can you not identify this, but do so well at identifying goalies? It's so bizarre. Yeah. I mean, and it's good. Like, like, I mean, we can, we'll get into this when we talk about uh, the playoff series, but like, identifying goaltenders that can be your number one is like the hardest thing to do. And finding a pipeline of goalies is incredibly difficult to do. That's why the Ian Clark signing is so exciting because they're locked into five years with Ian Clark right now, where he's going to be, you know, telling them who to pick up in the drafts, what he likes, what he's looking for. Yeah. But that's going to be on everything beyond just start who starts what game. Like there's so many other things that that uh, translates over to. And it will extend for years. Like look at Columbus. They're still reaping the rewards from his drafting advice in Columbus. Yeah, like Corpus they're Allo, still Merzlikens. Yeah, they're uh, still they reaping the rewards. So the Canucks have basically committed to getting at least a solid pipeline of goaltending prospects in the works for the next, you know, seven to eight years through this Archer extension. Silovs. Yeah. Granted, obviously, like we don't know. You never know what can happen in the next five years. Like they That's could your go with a new ownership group by that point. You never know. Yeah, like you, you have no idea, but. No. It's a good pickup, and it sets the organization up in a good way in an offseason where they need to, oh, they need to do so much. They need to sign Patterson and Hughes. They need to prepare their expansion draft. They need to create their expansion draft. Jeff Patterson had had the whole list of things they have to do. The Abbotsford AHL affiliate thing is, like, at the back of the list, which is nice because there's, like, putting the coaching aside, there's a lot uh that goes into starting literally starting an entire well basically starting an entire ahl team from scratch again yeah like outside of what goes on in like on the ice uh they're not getting anyone else from utica outside of whoever was coaching so which means you need you know new people to to manage your marketing new people to do social media new people to run the arena new love everything everything equipment managers video coaches yeah there's a yeah. lot more than just like mo- uh, there's a lot more that goes on off off the ice that they're gonna have to find people uh, who are capable of doing that job and hire to do, mm-hmm. um, and that's gonna and the fact that they've really only got what three months to get that all done right and now it's, and it's kind of it's, less than that because it's like you look at his list and a lot of those things are kind of tied together right because right. you can't plan your AHL affiliate like you can't like round out the depth or figure out like which players are going to be because you don't know how much cap you're going to have left over after signing Pedersen and Hughes to round out your NHL roster. And you can't round out your NHL roster until you know what's happening in your expansion draft 
or at the draft because you know everything's in flux they might trade like a nate schmidt in a second for cernak or whatever like you have no idea right so all of these things are completely interchangeable or like inner intertwined and these are major components to their franchise like building an ahl franchise isn't just like oh we have you know six draft picks that are probably gonna ride out the last year of their elc and that's it like you said it used to be it used to be kind of like that but uh, it used to be like that they used to I mean, look at it, last year. They were... I mean, the the it's not that long ago that the AHL was that when you went to the AHL, if you were any sort of draft pick, it was like, oh, well, his career's over, the end. Like that was that yeah. was a thing. For a, people now, forget that that was a thing for a long time. That if you got sent to the minors, people were like, well, his career's just doomed. Like there are, you'll never like, amount to it. You it never saw first round picks there ever. I, I, w- I won't say which player or which NL- NHL player this is because I don't want to, you know, sour any relationships or anything. But uh, good friends of mine grew up with a local player here. And um, he said, uh, this is obviously secondhand through my friends. They said, you know, the year that this player got sent down to the minors, he thought it was going to be a death sentence to his career. And he didn't like the AHL coach. So he did everything in his power to get back to the NHL because he thought like if he stuck around longer, he would not get out basically. But that's sometimes the mentality. That's sometimes that's, the mentality. That's kind of the mentality it used to be, right? It's like, if you were there, like you had to bust your ass to get out. It was a get out kind of yeah. thing. It wasn't like it is now where teams are realizing like, oh, you can marinate. This is a marinate league now. Like that's the direction yeah, league is going yeah. in where you can. For the better. Yeah. Yeah. Like the teams are looking at like the Marlies. They're looking at, the crunch and they're seeing Ross Colton spends a year and a half in Syracuse. And now he's on their fourth line, providing goals in the NHL playoffs and will probably be a piece that they use to move out bad cash to a team like Vancouver so that they can make space for another player that comes up the pipeline next year. That's how they operate. And it's so smart to operate that way. Teams are specifically signing players sometimes just to be leaders for their AHL teams and just to, you know, help men- mentor the younger guys who st- who are in the development league. That's how far yeah. we've come. Like that yeah. that the you're that it's that level of extra thinking that goes into it sometimes. Yeah. Um one thing before we get into like some of the other coaches uh, or any if there was any other things you wanted to talk about with them, we were talking like just to like kind of wrap up the whole betting being very good at like noticing goaltenders like mm-hmm. yeah his track record like and that goes what's weird is that goes like beyond just his time in the canucks like he was a bit i believe he was the guy who had a big hand in like drafting ryan miller in fact yeah. i think ryan miller yeah. thanked jim benning specifically uh when he retired uh in his in like when he retired he thanked I, jim benning for I, being the guy I remember who took that, the yeah. chance on him in buffalo uh back then i believe he was with the bruins when they traded raycroft for tuka rask which yep. was huge uh, taking the chance on Tim Thomas, I think was a lot to do with him. And I know we're having the whole 2011 thing going on right now, but I mean, they were very clear. I mean, as much as I like to, uh, I don't love Tim Thomas. They were clearly got good goaltending out of him when they needed it. Um, and regardless you know, of the legality of, regardless of, yeah, regardless of pad <laughs> sizes or what have you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in Vancouver, there have been some, there have been some decisions that I think a lot of people have, uh, said it in the few have said 
in the time since that they were bad decisions, like Anders Nils, like signing Anders Nilsson or giving yeah. uh, Ryan Miller that big contract. I, whereas I maintain that both of those were very good decisions that actually helped. Yeah. Were it meant to help? Were it necessarily meant to say win a lot of games? They were meant to give time for Jacob Markstrom and to give time for Thatcher Demko. Like yeah, that was actually what those decisions were. They weren't about that. They weren't about say winning a lot of games necessarily. And that's the part that I think sometimes gets lost in those contracts. He did very well at just buying guys like Jacob, like Markstrom time uh, and Demko as well uh, with other guys and being able to fill the void and not hitting the panic button when the, when, when those guys didn't necessarily like immediately start paying off dividends. He didn't like, they didn't immediately panic and go, okay, Nilsson's the starter now. Go, go, go. Like they, they were like, nope, we're going to stay the course. And then we're going to trade Nilsson halfway yeah. through his second year that was the, that was the plan that was the plan the, that was the one time they've had a plan is with the goaltending <laughs> and and like at the time too like the nielsen the nielsen signing was like completely fine because they really didn't know if markstrom was gonna ever be the guy when they signed Mar- nielsen it was kind of like okay markstrom can be kind of good but he's iffy let's get nielsen in who's you know got experience same kind of deal do. they're iffy see what he can do they didn't realize the second year of Nielsen's deal that Markstrom would assert himself as a clear number one and Demko at the exact same time would have basically proved he had nothing else to gain from the AHL and was like, you need to bring me up to the NHL now because I'm getting, I'm learning nothing. And they right. listened to him and made it happen through a trade. So right. the Nielsen deal was fine, but that is probably enough on goalies because I'm sure Chris Faber is listening to this right now. And he's just shaking his head, driving wherever he needs to go to the watermelon store or the mustard shop. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> why don't we get into some of these playoff series um, that have recently finished? I just wanted to say to any fans of the Colorado avalanche, I am so, so sorry <laughs> for the jinx that i he did cursed it. them with it was, all him. it was literally all me i i i don't know what i was thinking saying out loud that they could go 16 and 0 before facing a real challenge my bad they immediately went oh and it went on for right after i said that quote it's I'm like so that sorry. it's like that meme from thor ragnarok where like hella is like there's you can't defeat there's nothing you can do to stop me and that's like the the avalanche. It's the avalanche. Like, oh, there's nothing you could do to stop me. The knights are like, no, but he can. And then yeah. it's just you exploding out of a mountain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The abs are the abs are juggernaut. They're gonna go for. They're gonna not gonna lose a game. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm oh, so <laughs> I am. First of all, rest in peace to my incredible my incredible uniform potential uniform matchup of the Habs versus the Avs in Nordiques in those Nordiques yeah, jerseys. They wouldn't sucks. have done it anyway. I'm j ju- I know that. I know they wouldn't have done that because the NHL yeah. doesn't like you making uniform They don't changes. like fun or drama. I, be- I believe they actually have a uh I believe they actually have a mandate during the playoffs that you have to ahead of time you have to pick what your home jersey and what your uh road jersey is for the playoffs. Like that's a that's an actual so stupid. It's very stupid. Especially like in the NBA they can change, I believe, up to like forty-eight hours before the next game. Like, I think that's a oh, that's a thing. They're gonna say they could change forty-eight times into forty-eight yeah. different jerseys. Like, yeah, okay. I think you. I think yeah, I think you literally can give them up to like a, a like. I think it's just two days' notice that yeah. you're changing the uniform and that you're gonna use again. 
that has a lot to do with the, there's a lot less uh, uniform equipment to carry when it comes to that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But come on, that's, that, I, 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 I'm very sad like, we're not going to yeah. get that. But in regards to the Knights, like, yeah. wow, did they come out of, like, left field to play some of the best hockey that they've played, I think, in their entire, um, like, in their entire existence. Like, that was, yeah. and that's saying something, because they played some great hockey in those la- in that, in the last few years. Like, that's, <laughs> it, it, you know, even, like, game three of that series, it didn't look necessarily like they were going to dominate and they were going to go on this run. It still looked a lot like, wow, they barely squeaked that out against, uh, against Colorado. They are they're They just barely got a win here. Uh, they're yeah. going to need a lot more. And sure enough, they got a lot more. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was incredible the entire time. I, but I mean, the biggest factor for the Knights was the fact that they were really able to just completely neutralize Nathan McKinnon. In those last few games, they really just and yeah. you can see the you saw him throwing the punches like in the at yeah, the end of the like second that. in game six, like uh, guys on the ground, he's punching him while he's already down and already you know not good. I was yeah. just I made it as soon as I saw that I was like oh he's done like he's frustrated. There's I don't think you're getting oh, much did. out of him. Yeah, he's clearly mad. And I didn't think I, – I, at that point, I was very much like, I think the Avs are done here. I don't think they're coming back from this one. Um, just because it, it, they, they looked so overly frustrated. The Knights had done an incredible job at shutting them down uh, in, their own, in, their, in their own end of the ice. Uh, they looked a lot faster on pucks. Uh, in the transition and everything yeah. than the Avalanche did. Like, they just – there was nothing they could do. Like, there was nothing that – and that Avalanche defense just kind of – I don't want to say it crumbled because it wasn't like it wasn't particularly like a collapse or anything. I mean, Ryan Graves uh, had a few bad had a few bad shifts uh, here and there, uh, as did uh, Patrick Nemeth. But I mean, the Knights just took over. Like that's what that's what depth gives you. Uh, the that loss of Nazem Kadri to that suspension kind of hurt. Really hurt him a lot um, for a team that's again pretty. Depth has a lot of depth in its own right in Colorado. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it was very much the case of the the Knights just really, really buckled down and got to what made them successful, and it and it won the day. They they looked really good. Like they might go sixteen and zero before facing a real challenge. <laughs> uh, no, like. like uh... That'd be, and Knights immediately lose. Yeah, uh, get swept get by swept Montreal. I mean, we can get in, we, we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. But I have a feeling that the Knights are going to get goalied by Carey Price. I don't know why. Really, they looked really competent in those four games against uh, Colorado, but Colorado was like keeping it really close. Only when Vegas got a two-goal lead in that final game where it was just like, oh, it's over. But otherwise, Colorado was giving it to them like the entire time. So I I, I mean, obviously, Vegas is a bigger team, so they're going to like make Nick Suzuki and Brendan Gallagher and Cole Caulfield's lives like a living hell. But yeah. I don't know. I just have this feeling that Carey Price is just going to put it on, and I'm I, excited I, for it. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that does happen. I just, I don't think for the Canadian, as much as I like the, as much as I want the Habs to win, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they have the, uh, 
Uh, I they just don't have the depth to match. Like they just don't have an. There are the line, the fourth, the third and fourth lines of the knights just are clearly like much more, much better than what the Habs yeah. have at their disposal. Defense, especially, I think, is an is a is an especially uh, clear victory in terms of Vegas. What they have on their blue line compared to what. Uh, the Canadians have, which is because the Canadians don't have Jeff Petrie. Like, yeah, yeah, it's they're in a lot. The the Habs are in especially a lot of trouble there, which is why Carey Price is going to need to stand on his head a little bit more. Um, but I mean, for for Vegas, it's yeah. Like, I mean, here here just a you know insight into my last like day or so. I made that I, I I made a tweet yesterday. Where I was just like, okay, so there are four teams left here. There's the team that circumvented the cap left. There's the super annoying team, annoying four four team that's been around for four years. And when I say annoying, I mean more in the fact that they won't stop winning, and it bugs me a lot. <laughs> uh, that and their social media, their Twitter account is uh, it's annoying. It's cringy. Um, you know what it, it reminds me it, of is the. Uh the LA Kings when they were in their heyday, like their social media account, oh, which was just, just like unbearably just a, cringe and like try hardy. Yeah. yeah that's what it reminds just me annoying. Of. I didn't follow that account for years. Cause I found it so annoying. Yeah. Um, and then the most boring hockey team in the world, which is the one that really got, uh, Ooh, New York. I didn't like New, that. I got a, a, lots of Isles fans in my mentions being like, Hey, they're not boring. It's like, yeah, they are. They're a, Barry Trotz coach team that just takes every game and p- brings it to a screeching halt entertainment wise. Like, and I, I can go in depth on that later when we talk about the Islanders. Um, but <laughs> at, like, <laughs> yeah, yes, we do. We have to talk about no. the Islanders. Um, but like from the, from the night standpoint, you know, it, they just, they just keep finding, finding ways to win. And I, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot that the Montreal Canadiens can do about that. Like, I think the fact that they're here, they're playing... It's it's a lot like the similar situation the Canucks were in against uh, Vegas last year, where they, you know, it, it's house money. There's You've already yeah. gotten way farther than you, you were expected. You overachieved pretty hard. Yes. Because anything... your division sucked, but... Sure, yes, but still, everything else you've done from this, you do at this point, is just it's extra it's bonus you've done you've done a hell of a lot already there's nothing to be ashamed about in that situation you've done you should be very proud of the season you've had it's just going to be very hard for them to cook vegas i had some people you know some vegas people were a little annoyed but uh at my (laughs) at me uh tweeting at me i love the new york replies where they're like they're not boring and it was like okay giving me full explanations of which it's like buddy i have muted this thread a while ago i'm not even listening that much like go off if you want Uh, we both had the same reaction because when you messaged me this morning you're like this had 30 likes when i went to sleep i was in the same boat like because i saw your tweet and i was like hi this is really funny and i wake up i'm like 1300 likes what the it's at, hell i believe like, it's at 3000 right yeah, now like, i believe it's my double. most like tw- it's got to be my hours. most like tweet ever i don't think i've had one it's, i don't think i've had one like it before it was so funny just reading all the like yeah. like because a lot of people take tweets very personally as if like like if as i had if a I'm, previous tweet about the canucks that automatically makes me like a canucks fan therefore anything about any other team is like a a slight and a criticism and me being like a jealous 
fan or something when it's mm. like I can literally just joke about any team, including the Canucks, without it meaning anything. It's just yeah. me finding something funny. And so your tweet was something very funny. And Isles fans that were in your Especially, mentions being yes. like, oh, the most goals. And it's like, okay, your team played Tr- Tristan Jari. And yeah, plays, in the first series. And, and you, your team plays defend the one goal lead and then score empty netters while teams try to even it up. That's the game plan. And sure, yeah. if you love yeah. defensive hockey, like if you love the St. Louis Blues winning against Bruins, playing that exact same way, then power to you. By all to means. Lachlan Irvin, in his very funny tweet, it is very funny calling the Islanders boring. And it makes it even funnier when I, there's 40 meatheads from New York yeah, complaining yeah. and crying like, don't call my team boring. They're yeah. so fun. And also, again... The whole point, the whole point of that tweet, as much as besides being just a joke, is that it's more meant to be for you know everybody else, the team, you know the the what twenty seven other team franchise fans of twenty seven other franchises that are not don't have a team left. That's who that that's who that tweet is for. More, it's for all the people who have to pick a team to to jump on to jump on the bandwagon with. Not for you guys. Obviously, you're going to pick your own team. And like everything they do because it brings you wins. Um, But I will say, the Knights are an example of a team that plays a very defensive style of hockey, but is also (laughs) entertaining. Like, they're also extremely, an extremely entertaining hockey team. People were saying, like, like... I think, I think the most liked reply was somebody saying, I don't like how boring me, how people use boring to describe any team with good defense. No, I'm not using it to describe any team with good defense. The Avalanche and the Knights are both teams who play very good defensive hockey uh, and are fun. The, yeah. the Islanders play a very good defensive style of hockey that is also extremely boring <laughs> for, yeah. for right. the offset. And we'll get to that again. We're getting ahead of ourselves because we will talk about the Islanders in a second, give them their due as a conference finalist. But uh, I guess <laughs> yeah, from a call, I wanted to ask you from an Avalanche standpoint, like, where do you go? Like, where do you, what do you go from here? Obviously you can't panic. Obviously there's no, there's no reason to hit the panic button here in terms of, oh, their window's already closing. They can't get it done. They're the president's trophy winning team. Like what, what's like, where do they need, what do they need to do to kind of flip this decision next time, next year? Sackick does no, has never shown to be a guy who's going to jump the gun or, you know, make yeah. an aggressive move for no reason there's he, that one historically bad year where they yeah. and they didn't do much they didn't change much from mm-hmm. that year like he he's a patient fella that mr sackick and um i have a feeling he's probably going to get a really good extension on landeskog like i think landeskog is going to recognize that what they have building in colorado is something that can probably lead to them winning a, a cup possibly Maybe two. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I've already jinxed them enough. But I think with the core that they have, if Landeskog is like, you know what? If I sign a three-year or four-year deal at $3 million, that that opens up our team to improve even more. And we've already got a huge pipeline of players coming in. Like We have New Hook coming in. There's, there's so this- much... There's so many directions they can go if like Landeskog stays on a good deal. And to the people that are like, oh, if Landeskog goes and like all these other UFAs walk, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. They've they've acquired a really good pipeline of prospects that you're not really hurting. Like like we said countless yeah, times on this there. show, 
Bowen Byram like didn't even play and he is arguably better than Ryan Graves and probably whoever else they have on their third pair. So they're not really worrying at all. Um, yeah. On the other hand, Shane Bowers. you have, yeah. yeah, like on the other hand, you have like the Boston Bruins who lost to their series against the Isles. They have a ton of their core expiring on their current deals. And judging by the way the team kind of fell apart against the Isles, I'm sure a lot of those guys at their ages are like, okay, do I want to hang around and try to to wheel spin for another chance? Or do I want to move on for a better shot? Mm -hmm. Right? Like Colorado's like on the up and up curve, whereas Bruins are kind of, they're finally in that Canucks in 2013 stage where they really need to take a hard look at what they're going to do next. It's it. They're very much at a franchise crossroads of what what they where they need to go. Colorado is in a situation where they're. I think with their if they if they're playing their cards correctly, they're very much they're they're in the early stages of the, of the of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like they're in that where you know the Lightning. It took them some time as well, right? Like I mean, they yeah. to get to this good to get this good. They all, they were a team that I believe, you know, uh, they made a final, they made the cup final in 2015. Uh, but even then they were still kind of just, that was very much the building blocks even here where they kind of made a final, like almost ahead of schedule, really like Mm. that after that, I think they got was when they signed Kucherov to his, uh, incredibly team friendly deal, Stamkos as well. Uh, they brought in guys like Braden Point, uh, Anthony Sorelli. They let go of people like Jonathan Druan. They uh, sold high. And got, yeah, they sold high on Druan and got uh, Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, they they did a really good job at you know they did they never they never panicked and when it came down to started to kind of make those big decisions, they yeah. saw they they were able to convince those players, the important people, to stick around. Because the the it was only going to get better if they gave them time, and I think the Avalanche are very much in the case where they could become the kind of Tampa West. Uh, it's it 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 does depend on how well you negotiate. Say things like you know Gabe Landeskog. Uh, a big one for them is Philip Grubauer is also due for a huge for a huge pay raise. Um, you have to get rid of. There is some cap you have to get rid of probably. Like I mean. Yeah. Uh, Eric Johnson is making $6 million. He is on LTIR, but he won't be next year. That's kind mm-hmm. of a, a contract that maybe you need to sort out sooner rather than later. Um, just because the, of how expensive he is. But the bottom is. line... They, but they missed him, is also the thing. is They definitely yeah. missed him in that in that second series. They really could have used Eric Johnson back there uh, as much as it hurt them. Yeah. As much as, you know, as much as that contract is a bit pricey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because I mean, line, right now you have Nathan line, McKinnon sorry. making. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the bottom line is like Sakic is like, if you were like a fan or whatever, and you're wondering like what the apps are gonna do, like Sakic is the type that he, like I would trust his plan at this point. If you, because like obviously a lot of people in 2016, 17 when the team was like complete dog shit were like, you know, what the fuck is Sakic doing? He doesn't know how to build a team. Now they're like staring down the barrel at this team that like could they could go 16 and 0 before they even face a challenge um if you're like a fan like i would have a little faith in the guy look at what yeah. he's drafted and like the 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 cap maneuvering that he's done to build like a credible contender out of you know getting nazem kadri for alex kerfoot like like stuff like that even though 
Nazem Kadri was once again a non-factor in a NHL playoffs in the first and second rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, he sought him out to to be useful in the regular season. He still yeah. got Nathan McKinnon, as you were saying, on that incredibly team friendly friendly deal for at least think, three more years. years. Three more they years. Three more. They got, or sorry, yes, two more. Sorry, I'm looking so at that's, the current year. That's their two window, more. though. They've got two more yeah. years to maybe to take McKinnon. a crack. So if he can convince Gabe Landeskog, like, hey, sign a two year extension. If you can make it team friendly at six million dollars, I can I can surround this team or this group with a better decor that really makes a run for it. And yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I would have faith, frankly. It's a, And it's especially in their favor this year, particularly because the cap is flat. There's not going to be a lot of teams that are necessarily able to say, offer like back up the Brinks truck for Gabriel Landis Coglex. People would like if yeah. push came to shove. Some teams would, but mm. it's not as easy. It's not a, it's not as uh, easy to, ju- to make that call. So it's a little the odds for teams, like incumbent teams, being able to re-sign guys is a lot more in their favor this time around just because of the layout of the league right now. Right. Um, and yeah, if I'm Colorado, yeah, stay the course. Try to, if you, you're literally the one thing that you can, that you need to do is be able to convince important pieces to come back on team-friendly contracts. The and one thing that maybe that you need to go shopping for, I would say, is a decent 1B for Grubauer. Uh, not because I think, again, I think he, he definitely had a tough, game six was not a banner night for him, for sure. Like, he definitely struggled in the later stages, but yes. I, but again, but some of that could potentially just be alleviated by, say, having a goalie capable of playing, uh, taking a few more games away from him. I'm not sure if Pavel Francouz is that guy. I don't mm-hmm. know enough about him to say if he is. He might be. I might be overlooking him entirely here on that regard, but you know, maybe you kind of need like an Anton Kadobin for Grubauer. Like you need somebody to kind of, uh, well, just you need, be there real... the, you need insurance. You just need the insurance. And so who can take another, say 30 games during the regular season, maybe like closer to 35 even. Yeah. You need a, you need a real proven like one B and like, I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, like I would Devin probably be Dubnik like, could be. I would, Devin Dubnik could be. I would honestly be like, like, I mean, I haven't watched enough of the abs say this, but like, I would be like, Grubauer would be the perfect candidate to be a one B on a mm. contender, and if they He's got themselves a one A, my friend, yeah, we'll talk yeah, about that. We'll talk about anyways, that. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. We'll I want to quickly. We want to quickly run through some of these series because we don't yeah. want this episode to run too long. But we're gonna get into your boys because we missed this in our last episode because yes. Uh, we had so much to cover idiot. in the last episode. We had, yeah. we had a lot to cover in the we last just, episode. Yeah, we, yeah. We don't want we don't want to go too long on uh, too much. So we're gonna quickly go into the bolts and the canes. The worst team on the planet lost to the best team on the planet. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, you, one of the thing. Yeah. One of the things that you and I talked about in I remember in the pre-show for the last episode was like a lot of my you know the way that the lightning. One of the big things about watching the Lightning in these playoffs has actually really changed my thought process on how mm-hmm. I see and how I on uh, how I look at the Lightning uh, and their style of play. There have been a lot of games, and you you correct me if I'm wrong here, but there have been a lot of games this year in these playoffs where the Lightning have not been the better team on the ice. They have not been. They have been the second best team on the ice in a lot of playoff games, including specifically a lot of games that they've won. Uh, would yeah. you agree on that? Would you agree on that? I would. I would uh, say it's tough to say because I don't think they're as like 
like they have like Eric Chernak on their team who like I'm really high on. I think he's really, really underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a huge miss on a lot of the teams in the league to not have offer sheeted him to a mm-hmm. big deal because he's worth it for the value that he does bring. Right. Um, I think the issue is that the way they play, it's incredibly opportunistic. It reminds me of watching AHL hockey where they have no problem, you know, facing down the pressure in the defensive zone. But as soon as they get like a breakout pass that works, they are the most deadly team in the league. They are so good at their cross team passes and setting up one timers like ad nauseum. Those would happen against the Florida Panthers because they were relying on, you know, a sieve in Bobrovsky and then like a sponge in Chris Drieger and then, you know, a child uh, out of the womb in Spencer Knight in net that they could, you know, make mincemeat out of them. The Canes, obviously, they have a lot to like in their teams and I've made fun of them so much on this podcast, mostly to to your irritation like i don't i don't think they're that bad in general like i think they're no like, they're in a very good position they they're they're set up well i just don't think their goaltending is ever going to make it a difference against a team like when you're in a division that has a team like Tampa that can make mince meat out of your goaltenders you need an elite goaltender an elite starter to make the difference like if i was the Canes right now, I would be all in on trying to get Tuka Rask from Boston. Oh, wow. Like, okay. you would have, you like, Nedeljkovic is fine, but if I'm... Um, yeah, because, I I mean, Nedeljkovic is young. I wouldn't count, I, I feel yeah, like you're but- counting out Nedeljkovic too quickly here, just based on, like, the fact that he's only 25. Like there's but that's the thing. a lot he of is, there's a lot more opportunity for him to be get he's gonna there's a very good chance he only gets better from here. Like this I, is his I first think, season as a starter as a as an NHL regular NHLer and he did incredibly well. Sure, uh, but if they want to win with their current core as it stands, like with Aho on that is like like the guys okay. that they have right now, like Nakash still on his ELC. Like you want to have it's the same thing that I think about the abs. Like in a perfect world, Grubauer is your one B to a dominant one A in the regular season and a proven playoff starter. If the Canes are in a world where Tuka Rast their one A and Nick Delkovich is their one B, you're golden. You want to have that guy who knows how to win in the playoffs. You want a guy who's proven in the regular season and a one B like Nedeljkovic, who's a proven guy in the regular season but is still just kind of growing in playoffs like the canucks they had jacob barstrom who finally started to prove that he could be that 1a in both the playoffs and the regular season and then demko proved he could be that backup that reliable backup in the regular season and showed the glimpse that oh man this guy could be a serious playoff performer if he gets there i don't think I'm ever relying on Nedeljkovic to be my 1A on a future cup run. I think he's completely fine as a 1B. I mean, he had some pretty Demko-esque performances here and there during these playoffs. I mean, he had a couple games where he was shaky, granted. Yeah. It's, but I, I think that might also just won. been the fact that like he had a monstrous workload up to that point that he yeah, never had enough. to deal with. Uh, but, up to, yeah. but I do yeah. see what you're saying about, say, potentially like 
uh, them just kind like the the timing just kind of barely being a little off just on yes where Nedeljkovic hits his prime and when yeah. the Canes potentially are at their best possible chance at winning mm-hmm. winning a Stanley Cup I yeah. do see that I do understand that and I do agree with you like on Morazic potential he's not really that guy like it, that's not yeah. really him. Yeah, I just wonder if you can really afford to say go out and spend a lot of money on a one B like a two, especially with Tuka Rask and ignoring what uh, Boston Bruins fans tell you, he is a capable <laughs> goaltender in the playoffs. He is cap- more than capable of being yeah that a, guy for you. He had a torn labrum in the Isles series, which is why he was so bad in games uh, five and six. And I'm like. And even then, he wasn't Man. that bad. Like, he yeah, wasn't like, that really. terrible. They he, got a lot of playoff. Team. They got a lot of like, power plays. Like, like Matt Drizlik had a bunch of bad giveaways that basically threw the game away. So, it's like, yeah, Jesus. like, Tuka yeah. Rask, like, maybe, like, one of those could get called back. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, he wasn't being done wasn't any terrible. favors by his defense. Yeah, and no, yeah. that's not even, yeah. like, the Bruins' fault because it's like they lost Krug and Chara. And they had nothing to replace it besides young prospects. Like, of course. And Charlie McAvoy, yeah. They're in a bit yeah. of a that that their defense was very much in a transition yeah. here. They're, it was very much a transition for them. Their big acquisition was Mike Riley. Like, you know Taylor, what I mean? Like, and Taylor Hall. And Taylor Hall. No, but I mean on the defense. Like on their the big defense, okay. defense piece that they picked up, who was like immediately slotted into like their top four, was Mike yeah, Riley, Ma- who had Mike like Riley. this resurgence in Ottawa out of nowhere. Yeah. Mike Riley is a guy that if you're say already built and he's playing on your third pairing that's a good cup contender yeah uh, whereas the bruins are very much at kind of the i would say the end of their window yeah it, it, this it, is probably the end of the window yeah yeah and just to kind of wrap things up on the lightning before we get into boston uh and the yeah. canes as well um you know the canes very much ran in, it's very much another case of you know carolina's getting better they're very much improving they're still a very young team Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they need, give them time, give them, t- they're another give them time kind of team. Yeah. Uh, the lightning are a team that I've, I've they said could before, go 16 and again, and 0. another case of where I'm not trying to harp on a team. I'm really not like dumping on a team for their, how they win. This is, it's very much, they're successful. I'm not, I'm not judging. Uh, but they're a team that, you know, plays a lot chippier. Uh, there was that slew foot, Kirch, there was that Kucherov slew foot on, I want to say I want to say it was like Svechnikov. I don't remember exactly who it was, uh, but it was a very blatant, dirty uh, like play that I believe didn't even result in a penalty. And but what the Lightning do uh, is they're very much a team that again they play a dirtier, chippier style of hockey. They know that the refs are going to play game management, are going to even up calls on a regular basis, and to their credit. They purposely they drag other teams into the mud with them a little bit. Carolina's not that te- a team that can really uh, handle that. Like that big Svechnikov uh, penalty that resulted in like that massive goal in Game Four uh, mm-hmm. of that series that like turned that really turned the tide in that series. Uh, on that same play, he took like Svechnikov took a completely bad penalty. Like that was a terrible penalty to take, especially at that point. Like that was a clear frustration penalty. But then you, and then in, as you watch the highlight, you see Sergachev literally cross check, I think it's Sebastian Ajo, right in the back, like drill him in the numbers. 
Uh, That doesn't get called in front of the ref. Like the ref sees the Svechnikov penalty around Sergachev, the Sergachev one. And that's how the Lightning win a lot of games is that they're incredibly good at being like, okay, we are going to make you take a bunch of penalties, as much penalty, as many penalties as we do. And then we are going to crush you on our panel, on our power play because it is so incredibly lethal. Like you mentioned the one timers. Um, and that's the the Hurricanes, I guess, they might have... Unfortunately, they just might have to get into the mud a little bit there. I kind of hope not. I like the style of play. They play a little better. But mm-hmm. the Lightning are the team that has all of that wrapped up in a bow. They know what they're doing. They know how to win at this point. And as you kind of flip it over to Boston and the Islanders here, the Islanders are very much a team that kind of has that similar standpoint. Like, there was the New York, like we talked about the New York Saints thing. Uh, to which, again... Again, for all the Islanders dumping on me and my mentions, hey, you guys are doing great. Like, I'm not I'm not saying you guys aren't entertaining. The Nassau Coliseum crowd is incredibly fun. They're the absolute they, it's a very much a yin yang situation. They're the where, reason why they appear to be fun. That's it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like they're they appear the to be a fun. They appear the team seems more fun in games, particularly in home games, because of how great the crowd is. Like, the yeah. crowd is very fun, and I will give Islanders fans their due on that. Yeah. Um, but no, the but the but but on hockey standpoint, no. They very much are, we are going to suck the life out of this game until the clock runs out. Until the sun burns out, basically. <laughs> like, that's, and that's, and Boston is, I've said before, is a team that doesn't mind playing that style, but they're... Mm-hmm. They're a little bit. They're a little bit on the older side. Their core is definitely getting aging out a little bit. Yeah. The window's closing. Aside from Pasternak, I mean, all I can think back to in this series though is that wide open net that Pasternak oh. dings it right off the cross, like off the post. Like if at, he scores, this is a completely different scores, series. Yes, that's the like that's that was literally, like that was the turning point of that series. A hundred percent turning point, I believe they call it. Yes, straight up, that was a turning point. Like that series, I think goes. I don't know if it necessarily Boston wins, but I I will say I think it's a lot closer of a series if that goal goes in. I think they yeah. win that game four. Um, yeah, the Islanders, you know, they're going to be a tough out, obviously. They're a tougher out than I think anyone gives them credit than we've maybe even us we've given them credit for. They're a very, but yeah, they're all they are a very chippy team, and it's going to be kind of a it's going to be interesting again compared to like what we saw from them last year, where they're playing the Lightning and the Lightning just hammered them in most of those games. I think it might be a little closer this time around. I don't know what you think, especially because Matt Barzell's really figured himself out. Okay, so b- before I get into that. Okay. One of the things I saw in the replies to your tweet about the uh, that pissed off all the Isles fans, I saw a bunch of Isles fans talking with each other, and they're like, you know, they're just mad that we don't have a star. And I'm like, you guys do Matt have Barzell, a star. Matt Barzell, Matt Barzell. Some people were saying that, and people were like, I don't know, you can call a team with Matt Barzell boring. It's like, uh, you totally can. It's I'm yeah. not saying I'm he, not. I said the team's boring. Can. I didn't say he's boring. Yeah, but it was so funny. Like, like it was just so funny seeing like their own fans be like, "We don't have a star." It's like, no, you do. But yes, yeah, you totally. Coach do. doesn't really want him to do the flash that would make him like a star in 
any other market, he wants him to be like I think yeah. Trotz had a say, quote today where he's like, uh, "You don't win off individual players; you win cups off of the team or something." It's like, and uh, that's totally it? true. That is totally true. Like, yeah, it's, Cros- like, it's not so like in more. say like basketball <laughs> where say like LeBron James can take a cast of yeah, yeah. nobodies to NBA Finals and stuff, right? Yeah. Like in hockey, you know, I mean, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews living proof of one guy doesn't can't make a team. Yeah, like the you, strong you link can only go so far. Basically, even two even two stars can't make a team. I mean, Cros- other like otherwise Crosby and Malkin would have won like loads more cups than they did if that was possible, right? Like yeah. in their in their heyday. Yeah. Uh, the Bruins moving forward though, like they they have their their Matt Barzal, they have David Pasternak, Pasternak. so like they're gonna have to basically decide. I mean, they, they could have had Barzell too. too. Is the hilarious part? They could have had both. That's Going the back, real I, dagger I mean, of this series, is it not? That they could the, have had Matt Barzell. The fact that they did get to like the fact that they're always in the playoffs, in spite of the fact that they blew three back to back to back first round picks. Like that's that's impressive in its own right. That they managed to still be a contender in spite of screwing up like this golden opportunity to set up like a dynasty. Um, but you have McAvoy, you have Pasternak. Like they they've got. Good they have the building blocks, to and they've got well. yeah, they've got the pieces to transition well. It's just like, like, do they realize where they're at and sell off and go for the rebuild, or do they do the Aquilini approach and say, so long as we have Marshand, kind of right? Yeah, like, like yeah. so long as we have Marshand on our team and Patrice Bergeron, we are constantly going for playoffs, and it will be a turn it around in a hurry type deal. Which, they, I mean... They're not even necessarily in turn it around in a hurry type. They're just really in the... Really, you know what it is? Like, here's the biggest thing for them as, like, far as UFAs go. Because I think... I think I think David Krejci is probably going to walk. Like, that's probably... I think that I think they are yeah. going to move on from David Krejci. He's 35. He was mm-hmm. making $7.25 million. Like, it's... he And he served them well. Unless he's coming back on a very, 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 very discounted contract. I don't see yeah. that being a big return for them. I think the biggest the biggest thing for them, like, or the biggest measuring stick of how management sees themselves is what do they do with Taylor Hall? If they re- yeah. like give him his big, if they uh give him, if they don't, if they let him walk or say sign him to a very like low low uh friendly another team friendly like low term one year maybe two uh contract for them like. Mm-hmm. That that would be a sign of maybe okay maybe they know they're kind of need to kind of make some yeah. change like they the, need to be what they do with Taylor Hall will basically around. what they do with him will basically tell the league and like f- followers of the league like what the Bruins plans yeah. are going to be because I mean yeah. if they but let if him they walk, give him that, like they didn't give up much like anything they didn't they give him a so second rounder care. to get him yeah, yeah. but if but but if they give him his big monster extension that he has been looking for, that's yeah. a bit of a red flag. That would be a red flag for me because I'd that, be like, oh, be there, they Louis still Erickson. think they are very, very like, I mean, I don't think it'll be that bad. Cause I think Taylor Hall is a lot. I think Taylor Hall is definitely because of some of the teams he's played on has been turned into this guy of like, oh, you can't get it done in the playoff, blah, 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 blah. Like, and it's been like very, they have really like, like, uh, undervalued what he's capable of mm-hmm. but at the same but like i don't think he would turn into a louis erickson contract but it would be a sign of them saying oh they still think they're a lot better than they are and they think they're in a lot better spot than they are right now yeah. like 
that it's more what the contract would represent for them rather than the guy behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I've seen Bruins fans. They're the ones re- they again, I, I mean, I think this is fair of all new England sports fans, but you know, Bruins fans, especially cause that's what I see. Uh, they're very, they're the ones who are really hitting the panic button being like time to fire, uh, everybody. It's time to fire. It's time to fire absolutely everybody. Uh, trade everyone. They're terrible. Like they ruined the courts. Like, didn't they go to like three? Didn't they go to like four cup finals in the last like so or like three four cup finals in the last like so many years? Come on, like, don't go crazy <laughs> here. Let's not get yeah, nuts let's... about time to trade everybody. Like, yeah. okay. Ye- Although you yeah. know, it'd be okay. Like before we okay, <laughs> this will be the last. Well, I'm gonna leave. We'll leave this. On uh, on this note, on the whole on the playoff series and the Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. Jim Benning, being aggressive this offseason, decides it's a good idea to trade a bunch of pieces, picks, prospects, so he can get Brad Marchand from the Boston Bruins <laughs> for the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Think about that would, it. That's. Sh- I, I he's a good player, but like holy shit, the market would implode. It would be like the signs of the dark times or something. I have, I honestly have no clue what would happen. I I, I don't think he'd come here. Like I think he would not want to. <laughs> he come. would wave the. He'd be like, no, nope. no. You know what? He is a bit of an agent of chaos. I think he, like he, yeah, like per, sure. like personality wise, I think he would come here for the for the memes if he wanted. Yeah, like if he wanted. You know what oh. he would do too in his first I mean, press conference? He'd be like, you know, I've had a lot of good memories in Vancouver. Oh, of course Ooh. he would. Of course he would. You yeah. know what? Like, honestly, like, here's the thing. I can pretend all I like we can pretend as a fan base all we want that or and as like a media people and as media people like all we want that oh the fans would hate him right like would just hate him oh, and boo God, him like no. immediately they no they love him. no they'd Are go nuts no come on Canuck, no absolutely Canucks people Brad Marchand, if Brad Marchand put yeah. the minute Brad Marchand put on a Canucks jersey if that happened yeah. people would just like be like this is the guy let's go he would, have been, would love him like just think uh, of like the way people revere like max lapierre in burrows right he would have been in that echelon of guys like that you would love bit. to see get under people's skin like people loved rafi torres when he was here and all he would do was try to injure people and score goals Antoine like, Roussel, same thing uh yeah you know, like yeah. people love the, the niels hoaglander a little bit niels yeah, hoaglander to a, cert, to a bit of an extent yeah. yeah maybe not as not as uh dirty as brad marchand but no. Still, definitely gets under people's skin on the ice. He's very good at that. The yes. the uh, as a uh, Tanner Pearson put it, uh, water bug, uh, calling him the water bug out there. I hate um, that nickname, by the way. It, uh, it, it's used a lot. It's a very common hockey. I don't like. Descri- it. It's not a nickname so much as it's just a description of a style of play. Like that, sure. they're all. You can go I back, like-, like in the like chronicles of history, and see a lot of different players who get called a water bug for their style yeah. play. Apparently, that's just a thing. Uh, that's not necessarily a Hoaglander specific thing. Fair enough. Um, okay, let's. Why don't we? Let's. Yeah, let's get into the NHL award finalists. We'll wrap uh, this up we'll and pick, say like we'll make our picks. Awards. We'll just like the conference say final who we start. Think I think on Sunday. Oh yeah. First of all, brackets decimated. I, you know oh, what yeah. is really funny though. Might so be. you have Tampa. You have Tampa on yours. Yours has got. You've got one shot. I think you got hey. the one lottery ticket still left. Wait. What's funny is I think in our crease cast uh, bracket bracket league. I actually submitted my, like, chaos bracket uh, instead of, like, my analysis bracket, mm-hmm. which means I still have the Canadians in there. <laughs> I think they're the one team I have left uh, in, that, in that, in that which is, 
Hey, hell yes. Unreal. Uh, saving my ass right now. Um, yeah. but it won't be for long. Uh, I think I picked <laughs> them. I think I picked them to win. I think I, I think I picked them to win the cup in that bracket. I'm not sure. I'd have hey, to they could check. go. They could go 16 and 0 here before facing a real challenge. No, don't jinx the Habs. Don't do that. Uh, they need it. They need the help. They're very much in the case of, oh my God, we're going to get another one of those weird sweep paths where first yeah. uh, the Jets swept the Oilers, then the Habs swept the, the Jets. Now Ooh. the Knights might sweep the Habs, which happened yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, and Vegas. up until the Bruins, yeah, up until the Bruins, I think that happened. Those are those are always now. the funniest uh, brackets those are, those when that are, happens. No shaking. Oh yeah, those yeah. are wild. Um, uh, so okay, so make your so I guess uh, let's start with the I guess the uh, we'll go with Prince the of Wales. Oh, oh sorry, you, you want to do um, yeah okay the finals the, the predictions here. Uh, so Tampa Islanders. Tampa. Tampa. I think, in... ta- I think Tampa's gonna win in probably seven. Okay, you think the Islanders drag think, it up I that think, long? I think the Islanders will play good enough to push it to seven. Okay. I I don't know how much they've changed. I don't know how much better necessarily they've gotten from last year. I guess, say, for, say for you know, another year of Barzell improving, per se. Um, I guess I would have to say, yeah, I'd say, I'd say another. I would also say Tampa and six. I think, I think you gotta, I think the Lightning are still clearly like, you know, the the better team in that case and uh it's gonna but i do think the islanders will give them a run here um aval uh aval gross damn it uh vegas Habs. vegas Habs, which the you know the battle of cole or not cole caulfield the nick suzuki the battle of max pacioretty there's actually some weird storylines there there that i quite love but Um, uh, this is a it seems like it's just vegas is to win or sorry, uh, this is Vegas is to lose because yes. if they lose to the Habs, like oh man, that is that's an ugly look. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think Vegas is probably going to win in five. Hart says, "Give me Cole Caulfield in a Cup final in his first year." That, that would, would rule. be that would, that be would amazing. rule. And you know what? That, For the Tyler Toffoli, I like, want Con Tyler. Spike yeah, talk, that would be I really want incredible. That. So like Hart says, Hart hopes for the Habs. But mm-hmm. I have a feeling Vegas, now that they've overcome the Avalanche, they might be like, let's roll and just like roll through the Habs. But oh, we'll see. Yeah, I imagine so. Because they look shaky coming out of the Minnesota series, but now they look mm-hmm. like they're just mm-hmm. They got a bit of confidence back. They're roll they're rolling. I'm going to say Yeah, I, I'm gonna say here I'm gonna say yes. Also obviously I'm gonna say Knights in five as well. Um I, and especially just because of the fact that, like, look, the Habs, yeah, they have some fans in the building. I think the fact that they're coming into this series, having only played out in front of maybe, say, like, 2,500 people at most, uh, compared to Vegas, which has a full house already, that, like, that does matter in this case. Like, sometimes we make too big a deal about home ice advantage and what the crowd can, and the crowd energy I do think the Habs are coming in at a significant disadvantage, having not played in front of a full building in as long as they have, and going yeah. to and now having to play in front of the Vegas crowd, which is notoriously one of the better crowds. Notoriously one of the loudest, shitty. One of the yeah, you they're saw not the video of them like stealing the guy's um, flag. And I'm not gonna paint. You, you know, okay, I'm not gonna paint the entire fan base with that broad of strokes because that's unfair. I mean, like, hey, people still give us riot jokes, like as if we were all there. For that um even though and and also as if they think that actually phases us as, at this point um 
Like, so I'm not going to paint them with broad strokes, but they're apparently, you know, that building is one of the loudest buildings in the NHL. So you're going to have a mm -hmm. hard time coming into that, having not played in front of a loud building, like a really loud building in as long as the Habs have. Like, yeah. what, close to maybe, close to almost two years, like almost two years at this point. Close. You're getting there. You're getting pretty mm -hmm. close to it, at least. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're coming in at a bit of a disadvantage. But yeah, they could potentially, if there's anyone who could goalie the Canadian or the the Knights, it's Carey Price. Like that's totally capable. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that will segue us perfectly into uh, we're gonna speed round our picks for the NHL awards finalists. And Which we the first did not topic, vote on because of course we didn't. <laughs> we did not because we do not count as media and we don't get a say. But yeah. the first actual one on the list Soon. is the Vezina Trophy, and mm -hmm. I think this one's pretty easy for me at least. I'm picking Mark Andre Fleury. I don't know about you though. Okay. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I realized I didn't ever actually finish my thought on why I thought, why, what my thought process is with Tampa. Whereas that <laughs> like, cause again, ADHD brain, um, yes. where like, I used to really like, uh, when Vasilevsky got nominated for the Vesna a couple of years back. And I think last year he did as well. I think he's been nominated multiple times in a row now. Um, uh, I'm always like, well, okay, like as I as much as I'm very much in, I always like to give my goalies credit. I was always like, okay, Vasilevsky getting nominated, that's great. He definitely does well, but how much of that is just him playing in front of a really good defense, blah, blah like, etc. Right? And like playing in front of one of the best teams in the NHL. Game. Yeah, and then I watched this game, this this year, like the, these playoffs in particular, yeah. where like I like I mentioned to you, right? Like I feel mm. like there's a lot of games where they're the second best team on the ice, or like. And they, they, it's kind of like the Vegas thing where it's like Vegas makes games harder than they need to be, but Tampa makes games harder that they, than they need to be, but in an exciting way or a more in an exciting, exciting way. way. And they also kind of know they don't have to because of how good Vasilevsky is back there. Like that, like it's completely fit my, my thinking on Tampa in the sense of, okay, the lightning are still good, but they're not as necessarily great as dominant as i as i thought they were like from a six from a full 60 minute standpoint and andre vasilevsky on the other hand is just god mode like on a nightly basis um okay. yeah i think i think this is i think this is probably i think i don't think vasilevsky is gonna win this year i will say i think it's probably gonna go i think also flurry flurry weirdly not been nominated for the Vezina, i think ever before this. Yeah, I think this is the I, first I, time. They were saying that. And I was nuts. like, really? That yeah, seems which weird. Is just to me. nuts. I also think it's flurry, but any of these goaltenders could I don't I could see this being one of the closest votes out there. This is probably the yeah. closest vote as far as the uh the the awards are concerned. I think this will be flurry and I think he's gonna win it just by like a hair. Okay. Um Calder trophy. Um I think no this one's Sad, no Hoglander. But... But, but the others are no, no Jonah Gadjevich. Mm -hmm. Uh Krill Kaprizov. Like Oh yeah. This one isn't um, even really like a debate. It's, it's I mean Jason Robertson made a really good push and sometimes recency bias plays into yes. it. Uh so maybe he made enough noise in the later stages to get there. But Kaprizov completely changed the way the wild play hockey. Like he completely mm -hmm. changed the way that a lot of people look at the wild in terms of how they're they weigh and like we we, exactly. we joked we talked about you know we talk about boring teams the wild have been boring <laughs> for 20 years suddenly they're much more exciting as soon yeah. as krill kaprizov comes in uh yeah i think this is him nadelkovich good to see him getting on the vote he he earned it 
Robertson as well. I did not see enough of Jason Robertson to really give my two cents on him, but apparently from he did very well. Apparently he yeah, did very well he in did. Dallas. He had good so, scoring yeah. rates, good good assist rates, like just by all accounts, like was like one of the stars better players. So good for him. Yeah. Um the I mean, I hate this trophy. The Lady I, Bing. The Lady Bing, it's so stupid. The most gentlemanly player and the first re- person is Austin Matthews. I I feel like I've talked about this, maybe not on this podcast, but somewhere else. I'm like, you cannot have a most gentlemanly player and like ask people to ignore like off ice shit. Yeah, no, like uh, I, I, Matthew I, being I, nominated is a joke. I don't care if mm-hmm. he like avoids penalties and like whatever. Yeah, he should never be nominated. Frankly, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, like Matthews. Get, like, look, I understand in. The uh, like I understand from like other for other trophies, yeah, I understand why say off ice doesn't necessarily need to factor in mm-hmm. uh, to what to what they do on the ice for like say best defenseman, best defensive forward, rookie, what have you. Yeah. Uh, but for most gentlemanly player, like speci- that very specific wording of mm-hmm. and what constitutes someone being a gentlemanly player in a good sport. A bit like a sportsman player like it, it basically this is the this trophy is the who sets the best example it really like it really is a, it's a trophy of who sets the best example on the ice and yeah. i think that has to go for off the ice as well yeah. and yeah so i think what happened with matthews a couple years ago at least for the time being as lo- until he shows like the receipts of actually learning from like mm-hmm. that from that doing something and, like, like productive and like useful to society yeah, other than just being like a meathead a good a, other than just being a good hockey player yeah, yeah i don't think you can really put i regardless of how few penalties he takes yeah i don't think he should be up for this kind of award yeah. um jakob slavin i think would be i i, I he would be I, my pick he would be my pick as well. Yeah, Jakob Slavin. I saw a weird take on why he shouldn't win either based on off stuff that uh, I'm not going to repeat. I don't think it's fair uh, in that case. But uh, yeah, Slavin is very is an under, a very underrated defenseman, uh, does a lot for that Carolina Hurricanes team, and does not take a lot of penalties, and has proven in these playoffs it is hard not to sometimes. Like, it is very yes. hard to get away with few penalties. And I think his one penalty this year was like puck over glass or something. Like I think the worst one. Yeah, literally the one that you can just get that everyone gets called on automatically. The one penalty that gets called by the rule book, uh, whether it should be or not. Uh, Jared Spurgeon getting his getting credit as well. Uh, but I think Slavin's gonna win. I think this is yeah. Slavin's. Yeah. Um, the Selkie. Uh, my pick, Mark Stone, and this might be recency bias because mm-hmm. of like just how unreal he's been in the playoffs but i feel like he's been a good like an incredible two-way forward basically since he left even when he was with ottawa he was a great two-way mm-hmm. forward and it's just only gotten better since on a better team in vegas so oh, yeah. like bergeron he'll probably win because like you bergeron's know, a beloved. legacy vote i don't yeah, yeah they he always gets these votes and like everyone like loves him and is always like whenever he's brought up on broadcast it's like oh patrice bergeron's two-way play whatever for me it should be mark stone it's kind of like a it's like you you gotta reward the guy while he's actually in it you can't be like five years from now when like his two-way plays dipped and you're like oh we probably should have given it to him a couple of years ago so let's give it to him now like i hate those mm-hmm. those votes like that happens all the time with the norris which we'll get into yeah we'll get into that right next. after yeah um uh 
I'm going to go, this is the, I think this is the one where we're going to differentiate here. I'm going to go with Barkov. I'm going to go with Alexander Barkov to win. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, okay. I think Bark, I think like as much as Mark Stone clearly is important to the, to the, to the Knights success and his ability to play at both ends is important to the Knights. I think what Barkov does for the Panthers on a nightly basis uh, is, is like clearly like it's so valuable, so much more valuable to what the Panther, to the Panthers success than what Stone does to the Knights. Not because again, not, that's not to take away from Stone. That's literally just because of the fact that the Panthers are clearly not as deep. They don't have as much talent. They really punched above their weight class this year. And a lot of that was due to Barkov. And Barkov is another one of the, every, I know every year we have the whole, is Barkov the most underrated player in the NHL? kind of deal he has not won in a, an award i don't think i don't think he's won an individual award yet uh or at least not no like, i don't think so like say like the calder or uh so i i do think that this is barkov's turn i think the panthers got into the playoffs largely due to what he brought and he took his game to a whole other level this year than he has in years past uh yeah i think i think i think I want i want to see i want to see barkov win because i don't think because he's not won before and i do believe stone has won once and Barkov does like the way that he played and what he brought to the Panthers to get them back into the postseason uh, and the have the year that they had is largely due to his play. Okay, um, the Norris. These are some very interesting picks because you never see the Norris reward young defensemen practically no. ever. So this Adam Fox, new. Victor Hedman, Kale McCarr. Uh, for the sake of like interesting, it would be so cool if Kale McCarr won the year after winning a Calder. Like that's like mm-hmm. that's some storyline shit right there. And then True. I think he needs his new contract. He's gonna be like, look what I won in two seasons. Yeah. And the Avs are probably gonna have to pony up quite a bit, possibly mm-hmm. more than what they're gonna have to put what the Canucks are gonna have to pony up for Pedersen. And, and then they're gonna have to do the same for Bowen Byram right after. Whoops. But yeah, uh, my pick probably go for Adam Fox just because I've seen like some of the charts on his like defensive numbers and like his offense, and I'm like, holy shit! Like the guy's unbelievable. Yeah, they'll probably give it to Hedman just because you know he's big and Swedish. This is yeah. This is this is the key. This is one of those very key. The Norris is one of those trophies that you can tell sometimes when uh people do not pay it do not fill out their ballots and have not really done the research into it uh i mean matthews is another one like matthews is another case of that uh in the in the lady bing conversation that's another case of somebody not really only looking at oh what does the penalty say and then voting yeah, yeah. based on that the Norris is another case of where they're like, well, Victor Hedman scores a lot, so uh, he might, and scores a lot, and uh, he's the number one defenseman in Tampa, who's one of the best teams. So yeah, let's vote him, right? Yeah. Apparently, his numbers have actually not been that good this year. This has actually been an underwhelming year for Victor Hedman yeah. compared to years past, where he might have been more warranting yeah. of the Norris. Um, I am also voting for Adam Fox in my case because yeah, I think he's a guy that's younger, and again, like. Talk about this year being like such a, like such a detriment in terms of like paying attention to what other teams do, like because of because the divisions were only divisional play and mm-hmm. not paying attention to what the rest of the league does as much this year. Yeah, uh, especially here in Canada. Uh, not I wish I'd gotten to see Adam Fox play a little bit more because apparently he was just incredible with the Rangers and like he just like he was a he did a lot he brought put them a lot closer to a playoff spot 
than uh, they maybe should have been based on his play. So, yeah, I'm going with Adam Fox. I hope they reward the younger player. And I, yeah, and in the I same agree. reason that if Kale McCarr won, I wouldn't be disappointed either. Like, that wouldn't yeah. be a bad call either. Yeah, either or is fine. I just don't think yeah. Hedman should get it. Yeah. That's and, where and I, that's, where that's I nothing yeah. against either Hedman. It's just as much as... It's simply that the fact that he is was clearly it's, the third best defenseman pick. out of these three. Yeah, and it's a legacy pick. And you don't want that. And that shouldn't be the way awards get voted on. Yeah. Uh, the next one's the Jack Adams. And yep. I have a feeling... We're AKA both the, going to your goalie agree. really uh, played and put put you above a better played you played you into a play yes. uh, better than you expected, huh? Like that sort of thing. So, Brindamore, Dean Evason, or Joel Quinnevel. I I have to say I think Joel Joe Q gets it because I think what he got out of his roster this year and the decisions he decisions he made in. I mean, obviously, they never they tell you to not count playoffs, but like some of the goaltending decisions he made, like the decision to ride Chris Drieger down the stretch, like there's a lot of things that like an old coach wouldn't usually do, especially one who like you know basically led a dynasty for like a decade and then got fired because he was not changing it up enough. The fact that he was changing it up a lot and it led to the kinds of like success that Florida had. And got them to the playoffs. And although playoffs didn't really go their way, I think he got a lot out of a roster that like was using a lot of very niche picks and prospects that otherwise wouldn't have this kind of success that they usually would if they weren't under him or his systems that they were being used. Yep. And they provided one of the most entertaining series of the playoffs because of it. Uh, so for me, I picked Joe Q. But like honestly, you could make a case for Dean Evason. Uh, you can make a case for Rod Brindamore. I would not care if either three won. That's just, I'm going yeah. with Joe Q because like, I mean, I think he's won the Jack Adams before. So it wouldn't be like yeah. surprising if he, you know, won another one for his brand new team. So mm-hmm. whatever. I, uh, yeah, this is, again, this is another, this is, yeah, this is an award for sure where I don't see one of these picks where I'm like, where I'm like, oh, where I'm like, uh, where I wouldn't, where I'd be like, oh, someone was robbed here. I think all these coaches are mm-hmm. very capable. Uh, Dean Evason, I will say, like with him particularly, though, like just a little, not an aster so much as a, the, the wilder, the one team out of those two, out of those three that I look at that where it's like, okay, this could be flash in the pan. Like this could have been yeah, there. Which absolutely. happens a lot with Jack Adams Award winners where... Yeah. Like again, because it's often often the the coaches that win Jack Adams trophies are how it 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 it's it's weird how it's interesting how so many times that correlates with one of their goalies going on a wild good run yeah. and then falling back to earth the next year. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, a lot yeah, of Jack so- Adams like nominees like there's always the one guy where it's like it's a it's because his team had unprecedented success previously in the last couple of years and then suddenly they they had it and it's yeah. like how much of this could you attribute to cam talbot and a rookie capo kakunin playing out of their minds and a rookie mm. that was a complete dynamite offensive prodigy in kirill kaprizov coming out of nowhere yeah, so it's tough right. to say there could I'd be like, a falling to earth where it's like they're just the old right. boring minnesota the wilder game. <laughs> yeah, the the Wild are very much one of those teams where it's like they could they they're one of those teams where I'm like okay this team could miss the playoffs next year and I wouldn't be surprised as much I would be just I would be 
I wouldn't be surprised just as in the same way that I wouldn't be surprised that they made it kind of thing. Like they're very much in that. Yeah. It could, it could differ. It could wobble. Um, but that in mind, I think I got to go with, I think I got to, uh, go with, uh, Brindamore. I think I got to go with Brindamore on this one. Uh, I think the way that the, I think the Hurricanes, uh, took an, again, another step for the Hurricanes this year. They have routinely improved. Again, another, it, yes, a little bit of a case of, hey, maybe go, flash in the pan goaltending had something to do with it. Possibly. I yeah. hope not. You I think hope there's not. more I th- about the 5v5 play. Like, they were really Yeah, they were just unreal. so good. They're such a good team. They're such a well-rounded group, and they've really bought into the system Brenda Moore has put together. Brenda, by the who, by the way, does not have a contract yet, still. Uh, that contract has not been signed, so that could change. And that could change. So, uh... That's going to be interesting to see what happens if, say, he wins that trophy, how much the price tag goes up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Brenda Moore. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the last one, probably the... Most contentious. The most contentious, but honestly, like, there's no question. It's the Connor McDavid trophy, um, the Hart Memorial trophy. I, I don't know how you could possibly give it to anyone else than him. The guy had 60 or 40 more points than Nathan McKinnon. He's mm-hmm. the only reason his team was in the playoffs. Yeah, they got swept. Andrew, but that's yeah. going to that's gonna happen when there is no depth whatsoever on your team. Yeah. It's like regular for regular season, that guy is unfucking believable at getting his team to the playoffs. They just need mm-hmm. to surround him with a team that can actually do something with it. Nathan yeah. McKinnon is great. He's got great two-way value. Austin Matthews can score goals like no other, and he had, you know, by some some metrics, an improved defensive game. So, and he scored a lot. Like he scored, he 40 scored goals. a shit. That was incredible. Yeah. In a yeah. shortened year, forty goals is really fucking impressive. Yep. But you just can't, you can't honestly look at Connor McDavid and what he's doing to the Oilers and be like, no, nah, he's not the MVP. Scored a, yeah, literally, he scored a hundred damn points. In less than fifty six games, yeah. like uh, I think it was, just, just yeah, straight up disgusting. And sorry, like and again, like people were trying to discount that as oh, but he played like, and I and I understand if maybe like the playoffs haven't necessarily changed your mind on this in terms of the North Division being terrible. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. I don't know about you that he wouldn't have scored a hundred points anyway. Like. Had, had they been playing normal teams uh, for 56 games, I would not have been stunned if he had done it that quickly, even if the even if they were in the normal Pacific Division. Again, because again, that yeah, sure, maybe you maybe you don't have to play Ottawa, maybe you don't play Ottawa anymore, but you just swap it for Anaheim, who was arguably yeah. worse, and LA, who's developed mm. uh, in transition, and the Sharks, who are not good anymore. Like yeah. you, you just swap it out, and then there are all the other teams that in the league. That you would have gotten a shot at, who you didn't this year. There, he would have still done it. Uh, this is McDavid's to win, a hundred percent. And and that's not a again. That's not to it's discount not a what the McKinnon. Other it's just no, this is just you, very clearly yeah. McDavid is in a league of his own. Is so clearly just light years ahead of everyone else. He's the greatest player in the world by far. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, uh, make sure to subscribe to all of our podcast services that includes our YouTube channel. And if you like what we're, 
what we're spitting, what we're putting down, make, <laughs> maybe check out our Patreon. We got $1 tiers. We got $5 tiers. We've got exclusive yeah. content, exclusive episodes where we go a bit more off the cuff. This was a really fun episode where we got to talk about a bit of everything, bit of Canucks, bit of the world, bit of everything. And started off with me telling a very stupid story about stepping in uh, moldy, shitty watermelon. So, you know, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's yeah, the they were there. Right there. We were all yeah, here that, for that it. That was also there. We were all here yeah. for it. Um, but yeah, uh, Lachlan, where can the fine folks find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Lachlan McCreese. Uh, you can find me as well on my website at LachlanMcCreese.com, where I post articles sometimes and other things. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, you can also check out our website, CreaseCast.ca, if you want to uh, see some of the episodes and some of the other stuff we do. Uh Cody, where can they find you? The fine folks can find me at Cody Severson on Twitter and my website, CometsHarvest.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode, guys, and we will catch you on our next one. Much appreciated, guys. Bye! Bye! Bye!